Welcome to Splatbook, the RPG Topics podcast. If this is your first episode, we talk about tabletop RPG design. But we're doing something a little different today. This show is brought to you by the contributions of the generous backers of the MapCrow Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash mapcrow and subscribe today to support the show and gain exclusive access to the MapCrow Secret Sketchbook. My name is John, and with me today are two of my favorite players, Jess and Brandon. Hey, John. It's great to be here. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. So, uh... Uh, good news, bad news. Uh, we'll do bad news first. Um, Kyle had a wonderful time at uh, Origins. I guess that's good news. But then he um, got sick uh, and is really under the weather. And so uh, Jess and Brandon were generous enough to step up and help me record an episode today. So uh, you may remember, as I'm sure you do as avid listeners who've listened to every episode, Jess was on uh, our Moose Trips episode with her partner, Keely. And Brandon was on our um, the Wizard's Grimoire actual play, the uh, Legend of Mary Sue Lives On. Yes, where we tricked them into being a a, a GM briefly. So yeah, it was uh, it was pretty great. So they've both been on before. Uh, but bad news for them, they're long suffering players in my regular group. So uh, so they got dragged into this duty. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is the game Alice is Missing. Last night, actually. The three of us and another player, Scott, who couldn't attend, but he did text me some thoughts that I'll share with you guys, uh, played the game Alice is Missing for the first time ever. And we thought it was a really interesting experience, and we wanted to maybe talk through it as a group. We talked about it a little after the game. Um, But first, let me just give you a quick intro of what the game is about. Um, Alice is Missing is a structured, I'll call it a structured tabletop RPG. And by that, I mean it has a set of cards that have prompts and directives on how you play. And you set up those cards in a specific way. Um, And then you communicate once the game starts only through texting or other group chatting services. Uh, The basic premise of the game is you are all friends to one degree or another of a person named Alice who has gone missing. And you all are trying to find out what happened to Alice. So... Uh, It's a fun game. There's a lot of wonderful little details to it that I'm sure we'll get into. But um, why don't we start with Brandon? So, Brandon, was this your first time playing that game, too? It was. Actually, I hadn't heard about it until you mentioned that you had a copy and were interested in trying it out. And looking at the premise, it felt like a great fit for the culture of our group. We're a very RP-heavy group. We're really invested in that like character improvisation. Uh, So I was really excited to check it out. Yeah, it, I was excited, too. It reminds me that this summer, so uh, Kyle and I did an episode a few episodes ago called uh, Player Vacations that was specifically about our group. And it was about, <laughs> I've got two players in our regular campaign who are going away, and we decided to do summer of experiments, so games we hadn't played before. So what else did we play? We played, uh, we played, Jess, what else did we play? We played Brindlewood Bay. That's right. Last two weeks ago, we played Brindlewood Bay. Fiasco, a personal favorite. Yes. Uh, We played Dialect, which was a surprisingly great time. Not surprising that it was a great time, but the the quality of greatness was surprising. Yeah, so we've had a lot of fun this summer just playing sort of RPGs we normally don't get to play or ones that are maybe suited a little more towards one-shot-ism. So just your thoughts on Alice is Missing. Had you heard of it before we played? I had heard of it. I think I saw it 
mm, perhaps early COVID, some folks online were talking about it and how particularly well suited it was to kind of the social distancing um, yes. that we were all doing back in the day. Um, and I would agree with Brandon that it fit really well with our um, RP heavy group. And I would say also our um, grim forward <laughs> flair of our group, I would yes. say uh, we don't shy away from maybe some of the more tense or dark or unresolved elements that uh, RPGs can bring up. And I think this kind of hit that note really, really well, but like in a really clear kind of resounding way, not in a, a bummer downer kind of way. So I do want to say that Alice is Missing is published by Hunter's Entertainment, and it's a game by Spencer Stark. Uh, and its official title is Alice is Missing, a silent role-playing game. came out in, like, I want to say 2018 or so. Uh, it recently had a Kickstarter expansion, um, and I'll provide links to all that in the show notes. So anyway, back to the actual conversation about this game. Um, so you both heard of it. We were thinking of playing it. Um, so I'll be honest, I'll start with sort of my first impression. I had avoided playing, actually, I owned the game at one point, and I gave it away at the RFTCon swap table, of course. Uh, and then the, reason, the way I got this copy is a friend of mine ordered one through Amazon, I think, and then it was smashed to heck, so they sent him another one, and he gave me a smashed to heck one. But having said all that, the reason I avoided it is because it's a game played through text messages. And when I think of a game that I want to play, that is not what jumps to mind for me. So, so interesting thing um, for us is that we were all together at the same table, um, but playing with um, playing the game together. So just one more, I'm not going to go through the rules and details, but the basic premise is you start with a timer. It's a video timer that counts down from 90 minutes. You spend about 45 minutes building your characters in the fictional world, creating relationships, uh, there are set characters in the game, but the relationships are not set. So, for example, I was Charlie Barnes, uh, and I chose as my relationship to the the to Alice, a former field hockey teammate named Charlie, who had moved away. So that was sort of what I chose. But also, um, so you watch this timer; it counts down from ninety minutes, and some of the cards in front of you have times on them. And when the time comes up on the timer different players flip over clue cards based on that time. And those clues are related to either suspects, sketchy people, or locations. So is there anything else I want to say about the game? I think that's a decent summary. I think I had heard from other folks that it had struck a particularly emotional note with them, maybe even a surprisingly emotional note. Okay. And I was pretty curious because one shots uh, are delightful. I love them. I play many of them and getting that emotional buy-in can be really difficult. So the fact that so many folks were saying that this had managed to capture that I thought was fascinating. Yeah. I had heard the same thing. Uh, in fact, my friend, friend of the show, Ben, had described it as a singular, intense emotional experience, um, which I thought was super interesting. And I guess I'm curious if he played it uh, all together at the table uh, or not. Um, so when we so it started out, I felt like we were all into it pretty well. Like, is there um, I feel like everybody was into it and into character and into texting right away. But it was a sort of surreal experience because I was looking at everybody and sort of checking in, checking the time, 
uh, while texting, and we were all in the same uh, room. I, I don't know. That it still was very weird to me, but it was super engaging. Um, yeah, Brandon, first impressions for you, like, like what were you expecting and what did you end up getting out of it? Or at least to start with. Well, so there's something that I'm going to circle back to. So I'm going to preface this mm-hmm. as like the teaser and then we'll Ooh. get back to this in a minute. Okay. I dig it. There's a unique sense of place in this game. Mm, tell me more about that. I'm going to circle back to it. Okay. Remember, fine. this is just a teaser. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the dynamic of building characters. Um, it reminded me of Fiasco, that we exist in a relationship to each other. And that's something yes. that I really enjoy anytime that I see a game picking up on that mechanic. Um, it fights a lot of the in- individualism that... I think stymies a lot of role-playing groups when people have a distinct sense of self that's developed completely in isolation from everyone else at the table. So everyone has their own narrative that they're trying to drive completely unrelated to anyone else. And the combination of it being a game that is time boxed, you have 90 minutes and where all of your character development and all of your sense of place in the world is in a relationship with other people at the table, which caveat is also so on point for the adolescent identity experience. Yes. Yeah. So brilliant. Those two things together create this uh, wonderful experience where you genuinely only exist in relationship and you have to be fully engaged with the other people at the table for there to be any fullness to what right. you're trying to do. The difficulty there is you have to be playing with people that you can do that with. I would never consider playing this game with an unknown group. Like I'm not going to go to a con and play this game. That is not going to work. They give some guidelines about the con, like, uh, you know, maybe don't use your phone number, maybe find, you know, maybe use WhatsApp or Discord or something, which are all good suggestions. But I think, and I think the game does a good job of building guardrails, um, like the X card is built in there and it talks about lines and veils, a lot of the things you hear about. So all those things are in there, which is good. But even then, like, it seems like a weird game to play with strangers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I I think, I mean, I'll just say like within the context of my own experience, um, I've had some like less than great experiences with people that I didn't know getting a hold of my phone number and it went to not super great places. Right. Yes. Um, so I have some like direct autobiographical experience of that being a potentially risk, like emotionally risky, emotionally edgy space to inhabit, mm-hmm. which even in a, well, to some degree, it kind of enhanced the experience for me in that I was playing with a group of people who I know very well, who I trust implicitly. Y'all like this particular group of people that we play with is one of the most like emotionally present and well-boundaried and held spaces in my adult life. I I really value this group. That's so nice of you to say, like, I I actually made that comment and I, and I didn't want to dismiss it. Like I tossed the X card on the table and I was like, if anybody needs it, like, like we just don't. And I did ask, you know, like I always do, is there anything we don't want to cover? There may be, you know, non-consensual sex or something. 
you know, everybody was pretty, I don't think anybody brought up anything. So yeah. But yeah. I don't, again, those are difficult topics and I don't know that we could do it with another group. It, exactly. Exactly. And, and in this group, I think that we all trust one another well enough to know. We all also have enough, we have enough habit of playing with one another. We have enough genuine examples of reading where one another is going to know that we can trade off who's leading, who's following. Mm -hmm. And we've also all, I believe, been able to pipe up and say, I'm kind of not comfortable with where this is going and to give a gentle course correction. And the entire group is bought in immediately to that course yes. correction. Um, yeah. And as a result, like we kind of casually look at the X card and say, Oh yeah, well, yeah. Mm. Okay. It's a formalization of a thing that we all have figured out relationally. Right. If you don't have that relational history, it's really important to formalize that experience. Yes. And similarly agree. in going into a text message frenzy that happens in this game, um, being able to do that with people where it's a known space and it's a space that feels safe, there's opportunity to push into some of those edgier spaces, to some of those spaces that are personally autobiographically more challenging and to have that be okay. Um, right. I think the first example is just that it began with change the name of all of the players in your phone to reflect the character name not the player name i thought that was pretty great hey before we move off the x card thing like i'm not not to put you on the spot jess but i think brandon said it really well like do you play many games with strangers like i i don't know that you've been to i think you've been to one or two cons like like your gaming habits tend to be very i think you select your groups very carefully i guess is what i would say is my impression well, John, I will remind you that you and I met <laughs> playing right. games as strangers <laughs> at um, that is right. a meetup, which I attended maybe a dozen times. Yeah, that's some, a pretty good meetup. Yeah, somewhere between a half dozen and a dozen times. Um, and that's where we connected and played a game at uh, some friends' houses. And I think you messaged me on meetup and we're like, hey that was pretty cool. I'm putting the game together. Would you like to play again sometime? And I was like, yes, this is why I am. <laughs> this is why I am dealing with strangers is so that someday right. they may no longer be strangers, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I, I don't want to say I'd forgotten that because I remember. So that story is I, I invited you and your partner at the time. And I invited another couple that was closer to my age. And we just all got together and started a new gaming group. I guess I had the sense like having been to a few of those meetups that that would be a good group and it ended up being a good group. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess if there were, if there were something like that, would you still go today now that we're now that COVID's quote unquote over, but now that the risk is lower and all that kind of stuff. Almost certainly not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost entirely. No. Yeah. Um, and I guess one of those reasons is that I, I am a little bit picky about who I, I play with. Um, and I just, I am like butter over too much bread. I just don't have the energy <laughs> for sorting people out and dealing and waiting through. And I think that probably puts me at a disadvantage because I think there's probably lots of more lovely meetup, you know, like the way you and I met, like that right. could happen 
many more times, but just right now it's not, it's not something I do and it's not something that interests me. Yeah. Um, you know, just to make everybody listening jealous, Jess has, I think three regular gaming groups, maybe, is that correct? You've got a number of, yes. of games going on all the time. So yes, that's true. <laughs> and I'm sure there's not to make people feel bad. I know we have listeners who are starving for one group. Uh, so yeah. Well, keep going to those random meetups, friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Brandon, I really liked something you said earlier, talking about how similar it was to Fiasco. Uh, and I agree. And I very much felt that also. Um, and Fiasco is perhaps my favorite RPG of all time. You should see um, Jesse's eyes light up when we're like, what should we play? And she goes, Fiasco. Like <laughs> <laughs> chaos and mayhem and destruction. And oh my goodness. Um, and I like, I like that uh, comparison because we are definitely all in relationship to each other. But I think a key difference is that we are also most most strongly in relationship with Alice, who is missing. Yes. And that allows like that space of Alice's absence actually, I think, creates a really cool space for individualization um, that Fiasco does not allow. Because with Fiasco, mm -hmm. you're always looking at the person next to you going, we're we're running we're running from the police. Yeah, we're running from the right. You are co-creating at all times. Um, and the fact that we are related through Alice, who is never in the game herself, I think gives like a lovely little space to kind of show up a little bit more as you will and not as your neighbors will. You know, and one thing to that, one thing I really like that the game does is it provides, you can download them from the website. It provides nine uh, missing persons posters uh, featuring different versions of Alice. And I just printed three random ones, put them down on the table and somebody picked one and that's how we found our Alice. But I just think it's, it just gives you something, but those, those missing posters are just an image, you know, like everything you would see on like an actual missing persons poster image, height, weight, last seen wearing, and that's it. Right. So you are allowed to also project yourself we're all surrounded by alice but we can also project our relationship with alice onto them which i think is really cool too yeah and that creates this amazing experience of a crystal clear unified north star everyone knows what we're talking about everyone knows where we're going and there's an immediate emotional buy-in. And I think that's one of the critical elements to this game that so many other games struggle with. Yes. Um, is the Alice is Missing has figured out how to write into the premise of the game emotional buy-in from players. And in most other spaces, and I've had a lot of discussions with people about this, it, often some actual arguments about this <laughs> it's the player's job to generate emotional buy-in for themselves it, right. it is your job as a player showing up to figure out why the f you care about what is going on um and i i know that not to stay on the soapbox for too long i know some folks who swear up and down it's the gm's job to get me to be bought in. It's the GM's job yeah, to get me the hooks for the thing. I don't buy it. Y'all, I listened to the old codger in the room who's been <laughs> doing this stuff for north of 30 years. It's not the GM's job. It's your job. Yeah, It is your job as the player to figure out why you care. And if your character is getting in the way of you caring, cut away any part of your character that is in the way of that. 
Yeah. Caring is the thing that matters. And Alice is missing does that right from the moment that you open the box. There's a person you're in relationship with who has been missing for three days. Right. Great. So whatever reason you have for being worried about that, for being, for caring about that person, that is true. And that exists in juxtaposition to all the other people who are at the table with you. And they all have different reasons for caring and they all have different ways of expressing that caring concern. And the yes. friction that shows up between the players is because we all care, but we care differently. And it's the differences in caring that creates the friction and conflict within the group that gives you interesting drama and interesting story beats. Yeah. Let me, can I interject something? Uh, Scott, who was our uh, fourth player who couldn't be here, um, he said something that I think I want to add here when I asked him what he thought. The first thing he said is uh, that the idea of doing a text based, texting based game is much more fun than it may sound, and that um, he really enjoyed it. But one thing that he thought also contributed to a lot of that connection and tension was putting a time limit on it. He said, putting a time limit on everything is a perfect choice for it to keep things moving and to add tension. So when you, so I think you said this earlier, Brandon, but the time box, in addition to everything you just said about relationships is what creates the, is a big driver of the tension of the game. Yeah. Absolutely. And here, I think we're going to circle back to that thing that I teased earlier, the sense of place. I think it was actually really important for my experience anyway. I won't speak to others. My experience of the gameplay was significantly influenced by sitting at the table mm-hmm. and seeing flurries of text messages happening and my phone was silent right yeah. knowing in my player mind there's a lot happening right now something really intense is going on because i see the facial expressions of the people around me i see the thing the thumbs flying trying to pump out these messages fast enough And I haven't heard a peep in like three minutes. What's going on? on. Nice. Right. And that created this really interesting experience of like not feeling left out as much as feeling like the tension keeps building. It's Mm -hmm. like watching Friday the 13th and someone is walking in the dark hallway but nothing has happened for three minutes. Like, you know something that's going to happen next, but you don't know what it is yet. Um, And similarly, I will admit, I was really reticent about like doing all the things that the game suggested for creating additional player buy-in, like changing folks' names to the character names instead of the players. Um, Listening to a playlist uh, during the entire run of the game, sitting there in silence and like actively not engaging in any table talk yeah we we kind of cheated at the end but we did pretty good we did pretty dang good i was initially very dubious of all of that and like 10 minutes in i was so sunk into that moment i was so sunk into the experience of the narrative and the place that we were creating through those text messages it was just wild just what was your experience of like sitting at the table and being intensely engaged with the people that you were also not speaking to. Well, I was sure we were just going to chat 
and through the entire thing. I'm like, we're so, I think I said multiple times, I'm you like, we're so chatty. There's no way. And the worst, the sit. worst defender, like I can stop in the middle of a scene and be like, oh, I saw this movie yesterday. And it was funny. <laughs> like I'm the worst defender in this group, but yes, sorry. Go ahead. No. And I was just, I was like, there's no way we won't actually be quiet. That's a sweet idea, whatever. Um, and then we really were, and it wasn't, it didn't feel difficult or um, forced. It was just, we were really busy texting and messaging. And I like, Brandon, what you said about um, being aware of other people texting and the other conversations, because there was a part of me who was like, oh, I wish we'd played on Discord because I could have used my computer keyboard because I can type so much faster on my computer <laughs> yeah. keyboard. And I'm like, that would have been easier, right? Than two thumbs trying to pound them out. I'm like, ah, oh, I could have written <laughs> I could have written novels in 90 right, minutes, right? right. <laughs> um, but I think you're right in that being in the same room did kind of add like a lovely like insulation of tension. And that um, had I been alone at my own PC typing away, I wouldn't have had that awareness. The silence probably would have been more frustrating or I would have gotten distracted, I imagine. Um, so I, I agree that it created both a great space within the world, Alice's world, and also like at our own table. Also, I, none of you complimented me as the elder statesman of this group. I managed to keep up tech speed wise, and I was shocked that I was able to do that. So, <laughs> You worked at the Apple store. I have high expectations <laughs> for your texting capacity. This is true. This is true. <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit. Um, what is something that you would change about the game? Uh, or something you wish may have been a little bit different. Uh, I can go first if you want to. Um, you know, being me. So the thing I think I'll bring this up, and and you guys can react to it, or or just respond with your own thing. I think the thing we discussed this a little at the time, but one thing we struggled with is sort of a lack. And Scott brought this up in his text messages too. Is a lack of agency. I think I think we got down to like the twentieth minute, and I sort of realized we should be doing stuff. Like we had spent a lot of time texting each other, um, and I think I think somebody texted. Some of the clues created actions, like like there was a barn that caught on fire, and that's we sort of started doing stuff at that point. But up until then, we kind of had just been like, "Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Are you okay? Is she okay? Are you guys? Is your relationship okay?" We were sort of there was a lot of checking in and not a lot of action. And I struggled with how to do action within text. I think I said to Jess near the end, like. I texted, you know, we were at the end and I won't, I won't spoil it, but, but you had a confrontation with the people who had, um, who had snatched Alice. Right. And I was texting what I was doing. And I said to you, I wouldn't text this if this were actually happening. Right. Um, so, so taking actions via text, I, I, I would like to listen to an actual play of this game. Cause I bet other people have solved this problem just fine, but I couldn't think of how to do it in me in the in moment the first time through. I would yep. like to point out the irony that you would like to listen to an actual play of the silent game. <laughs> yes. Yep. I just realized how that sounded. Thank I, you. <laughs> I had to name that or Tim Saucer would never let any of us live it down. Yes. Tim, we love you. Um, yeah. yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe there's a, 
on YouTube. But if there it's would a, have to be like to a attention. video actual play of this sorry. thing, right? <laughs> With like four time yeah. contemporaneous, uh, four screen contemporaneous uh, yeah, screen capture. Now that I mention it, I have no interest in doing that at all. But I would like to talk <laughs> to other people who played the game and see how they resolve that yeah. that problem. Yeah. So, uh, Jess, what else? What what thoughts did you have? Um, and what would you have done differently? I think mine is sort of similar to yours. Um, so like we mentioned, um, the time on the screen counts down. And as you hit time marks, you flip over clues that are supposed to drive action. And those are spaced out every, mostly every 10, a couple or every five minutes. And I felt like they did a great job of creating rising tension, especially in the middle towards maybe the last third. Um, but I felt like I really needed stronger direction at the end. Um, I yes. found with the last few minutes, I was realizing, um, wait, are we supposed to find Alice? And you were, um, by the way, the person who found Alice. Like you I got, was. You got the 10-minute card. So there's a card at the end of the game that says you find Alice. And there's different ways you can find her. You can find her unconscious or I won't spoil them. But you were the person who got that card. Yeah. And so I kind of struggled with like, well, what state do I find her in? Am I finding her her body? Is she perfectly fine? So, and just so did it walk? tell you or did you get to choose? Um, I can't remember. I don't remember being directed strongly. Um, it might have said, I, I don't think it said, because I remember I was like, well, I'll say she's like kind of unconscious, like kind of out of it. Because I was like, Okay. I don't know. She's supposed to be, you know, dead or alive. So I was like, well, if she if she needs to go back to sleep, we can easily make that happen. <laughs> so I kind of right. went for um, kind of a concussed out of its state. Um, but so, so that was kind of like a, a destination that I didn't know. Um, but also, I felt like the the action had kind of been injected like so much and then it kind of like died out at the last and so maybe that was supposed to create space for everyone to like unravel all of this action but i felt like i would have liked a little bit more structure i think towards the end yeah i felt like in the last 10 minutes i was like okay there's 10 minutes left we found her now we have to yeah i wasn't quite sure what to do i guess yeah Yeah, and like how do we apprehend the baddies and who know like i i was suddenly confronted with a whole bunch of things we hadn't answered yeah are there police we can go like yeah we a couple times we were like we can't you know the fire department's having trouble we can't call the police yeah what what's something that jumped out to you brandon is something you might you wish were a little different or maybe you don't have anything maybe you maybe we hit it and you just want to hit on something else you're excited about (laughs) um well one thing that we discussed in the um in the wrap-up talk, uh, and this is actually something I'll mention that our group does quite consistently when we're doing uh, one-off or three-off games, um, is that when it's done, we'll we'll chat about it. Um, yeah. And we'll just talk about what was good, what did you like, what you didn't like, what would you like to see in another game, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, players, GMs, take note. Healthy game culture involves feedback. Yeah. Solicit it. Take it in. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we discussed was that sense of wanting more clarity, like you said, in what's happening in that last 10 minute frame. Um, one thing that I found myself wondering a little bit during the game and quite significantly following the game is if there was intentionally no direction about whether or not we were playing in real time. Yes. 
as we were playing the game, we acted as though we were in real time. We did. But I also specifically texted you and asked like, hey, like, can I say I'm going to bed now and then start a new text that and just announce, hey, it's Sunday morning. Like, is that okay? What am I doing to potentially undercut the autonomy of my fellow players if I'm the one who does that? That's a great question. The game does say like this can take place over the course of a whole day, but it doesn't. You know, I, I only read the rules once and I list, watched two YouTube videos about how to play it. And none of those sources that I can recall said, and this is how you stretch out that time. Um, or here's some suggestions, but maybe they're in there and I just I just miss them, you know, yeah. to give the game credit. Yeah, yeah, I, I would enjoy greater clarity on that. And I, I will say it totally works if you are playing it as though each minute of game time is a minute of real world time. It, it totally jives. But it's a very specific flavor if you're going that direction. Yeah. And I just want to put in Scott's comment. He had two suggestions that I thought were interesting. Uh, He said, shortening it a little bit or have less waiting between clues. There were, there's a set of clues. I think it's uh, 45, 40, 35, and 30 minutes where the clues are five minutes apart. But then it goes 30, 20, 10. Uh, and I think he wanted to tighten that end, end game up a bit um, and maybe shorten the game, like have the actual playtime be 60 minutes. Having only played it once, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, that um, that interested me as well. So, yeah. yeah I, I, I can think... see one or the other, right? Like right. more clues or less time. I'm not sure you need both. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. There's something that I really enjoyed about And here I'm the outlier, and I recognize that. (laughs) I kind of enjoyed the lack of resolution that I had in the Mm -hmm. last little bit of play. But I think to some degree that is... um, That was circumstantial. Because my character was fundamentally locked out of participating in the final scene. Yes. So it made a lot of sense narratively for my character to be freaking out and spamming the text group, begging for updates and pushing really hard to find out what's going on with no one texting back because y'all are physically present and doing a thing. And yeah, I'm the I, one who's not there and can't help. You know, there was one actually just to, to there, there's two moments there are a lot of good moments in it, but just to throw one that each of you did that I really enjoyed, you announced that as trying to run to the place, you had broken your leg, uh, Brandon, that your character, Dakota, that they had broken their leg. Uh, and then the other one was Jess's character. I think you were, uh, you were Julia, and you you sent out this string of text that nobody could read. And you said stupid voice to text. And like, we're all sitting there going, we know you just didn't record your voice. Like we, you know, we would have heard it, but it just, it was like such a good thing in the moment to be like uh, a panicked thing that you would do once you'd found uh, Alice. Um, So yeah, those uh, people, there were a lot of clever things like that in the game, which I really appreciated. Um, Okay. So any, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I would be really curious about the expansion I know. Um, and what, what that is, because um, I was reading a little bit about it online after we played last night 
And some folks were commenting how excited they were to play it over and over and to play it again. And I thought that was really interesting because I I loved it and enjoyed the experience. But my my first thought was not, how do I play it again? Right? Like it was like a right. super rich chocolate cake. And I was like, ooh, that was great. I don't need another slice. Right. Um, and like you said, there were a variety of wanted posters and different um, kinds of Alice's basically, right? And um, you could be in different kinds of relationship with the missing Alice. All of that could totally fundamentally be different. But I did not find myself thinking about that. What about you, Brandon? Were you looking for like another slice or were you pretty content with it? So I'd be interested in maybe not another slice of cake, but maybe in finding out what a slice of pie is like. Mm-hmm. in that I don't feel a hunger to play this game with the same group of players. Mm. But I would be interested in playing it with a different group of players that I could also go to those other vulnerable spaces with. But that's a pretty tall order to have multiple groups of players to be able to go to some of those dark and uncomfortable places. Yeah, we can't all we can't all be Jess. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, I just want to say thank you to both of you. That was an awesome game, and just thank you for being willing to play all these silly games with us or with oh, me. Oh, I dig it. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of what I always wanted is the group who's wanted to just try out different stuff. So, yeah, this is super exciting for yeah. me. And thanks for coming on the podcast, Kyle. Get well soon. Feel better. Uh, feel better. Recover from your convention and your sickness. Uh, and maybe we could get the origins recap in two weeks. That would be nice if you if you guys have recovered. Splatbook is a proud part of Roll For It Media. Be sure to check out our sister show, Roll For Topic, which is available wherever fine podcasts are purveyed, or by visiting their website at gmdiscussions.com. And please leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps people find our show. Contact the show by sending us an email at splatbookpod at gmail.com or by leaving us a 90-second voice message on the Splatphone at bit.ly slash Splatphone. You can follow Kyle on social media at MapCrow on Twitter, or by subscribing to his YouTube channel, MapCrow. And you can follow me in your hearts. Both of these tracks are by George Winston, who passed away this month at the age of 73. I've been enjoying his music for over 40 years, and I wanted to honor his passing. The intro track is More Than You Know from his 2017 album, Spring Carousel. And the outro track was Thumbelina from his 2004 album, Montana, A Love Story. Now stay tuned for some cut bitlets. Okay, so I've got to read our intro. Um, Okay, here we go. Welcome to Splatbook, the RPG Topics podcast. If this is your first episode, we talk about tabletop RPG design. 
but we're doing something a little bit different today. This show is brought to you by the generous contributions of the generous backers of the MapCrow Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash MapCrow and subscribe today to get access to, to get access. Let me, I'm just going to start all over. Um, to, sorry, to, yeah, hang on. Got to take out a word. I, I have to read it as written. And if I don't, um, if I don't do that, I'll never get it. You can't just, you can't just uh, wing it. So head on over to the Map Crow Patreon. Subscribe today to, to support the show and gain exclusive access. Okay. All right. I'm going to try one more time. Taking it again. Both of today's tracks are by George Winston, who passed away this month. Take it again. Right, right. Uh, I also want to say that um, Alice is Missing. Uh, we forgot this part which is uh, Alice is Missing is an RPG from Hunter's Entertainment and the main credited creator on it is on this webpage somewhere. Nope, they're not on this webpage somewhere. Um, John, cut that out and find the actual um, person <laughs> after the, uh, after the uh, episode. Hold on, let me try one more time. Why don't they just give me his name, the name of the guy? Hold on one second. If I don't get this now, I'll never get it. Did I put it back on the shelf? I did. Hang on one sec. <gasps> All right, awesome. Okay, I'm going to stop recording there. Um, yeah, actually, uh, that'll be the end of the show. But anything else you wanted to add? You know, just to. I had so Whatever. much fun playing the secret teenage girlfriend. I never got to do that in real life. So I had a wonderful time doing it awesome. in, in game. I was That's like, oh, awesome. this is sweet and fun. There was something really interesting about a specific invitation to playing adolescence. Yes. Yes. And I wonder how different that would be for people in other age groups who may not have adolescence in their... <laughs> who may not have adolescence in the group of children that their friend group is raising. Nice. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like at 24, I would be significantly less invested in this than I am at my current age. Yes. I, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I kept thinking like, uh, how would my son do this? But mm. yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, and the answer is he probably wouldn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's an indication your son has better judgment than your character did so much better judgment. he's like i'm just yeah. gonna tell the school i'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call a trusted gonna, adult i'm gonna call a trusted adult police? yeah what's wrong with you people yeah, yeah. <laughs> i did feel a bit like we had harry potter syndrome where this horrible bad thing had happened and we couldn't tell the adults for I know. indiscriminate reasons and i was like realistically Myself as a <laughs> as a teenager, I absolutely would have gone to an adult. You know, it's so funny. Like minutes later, yeah, it's so funny because I somebody I love that you say that the the Harry Potter problem because somebody once pointed out to me like they're like at least two of those books wouldn't have happened if you know Harry had just I don't know talked to Dumbledore like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, okay awesome all right and now I'm really gonna stop recording. Um, Oh my gosh, you had pie and we forgot to eat it afterwards. I know, I opened the fridge this morning and I was like, shoot! <laughs> we didn't eat the pie. Dang it. <laughs>